Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, welcome back to another episode of Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Uh, Kyle and I are here Monday morning, and uh, Kyle, before we get into it, how, how are you doing? You know, I feel better this morning than I did last night. It's, I always find it tough getting to sleep after a, a game like that, but uh, we'll, we'll get into it here. I'm feeling a little bit better, I can, and I can guarantee I will feel a lot, a lot better, and maybe this is a, more about me just as a person, but I'd feel a lot better if the Packers lose tonight to the Lions, I can tell you that. Yeah, I do feel like I was looking ahead of the schedule that does feel like it would be a great um, favor for for, yes, for the Vikings be. for them to lose because um, I like to be honest, like that was a gut punch yesterday. And I as far as my Vikings fandom goes, it's quite minimal and like that was yep. a very hard loss to watch. Um, yeah. I, we've we got right now, we'll jump into first down here with that missed opportunity and, and the missed field goal. So everyone yeah. knows the Vikings had a chance to win at the end there. Uh, Joseph misses that 37 yarder. I like how, how do fans feel? Like how should fans feel? I guess about that, that loss. I know we're not going to tell people how to feel, but like, yeah. how do you, how do you make sense of that? So I think it's wrong to say that the Vikings played that drive poorly. Right. I think so. We saw, so I think the Vikings played the end of the first half poorly insofar as they gave Arizona enough time to march down the fields. I mean, we as Vikings fans know what Matt Prater can do because he's been, the, he was the Detroit Lions kicker for years and he is an excellent kicker. And not only is he excellent, but he's just got this huge leg. As we saw yesterday, he hit the 62 yarder. So at the end of the first half, I hated how the Vikings handled the clock situation. And I hated seemingly the lack of urgency on defense. Um, we know what Prater can do, right? Probably, probably more than any fan base other than, say, the Lions, right? Um, at the end of the second half, which is to say at the very end of the game, I loved what the Vikings did. I was messaging Sam and saying, you know, our perspective here needs to be kicking a field goal at the end with no time left. Either we win, you know, on that field goal or, or, or we lose, right? Like there's, there's, we're not giving the ball back to Arizona. We're not giving the ball back to Kyler Murray and going to give him a chance. And so to give Joseph, I almost said Bailey, to give Joseph that 37 yarder with like what, four seconds left, he had yeah. hit two 52 yarders. And both, and both, neither of them were like, like maybe nervous. Like he kicks it, and you're like, man, he struck that true. And and you're seeing it from, you know, you get that good angle from right behind the uprights, and you're saying those 52 yards were nice, nice shots. And then, so I, I thought I, I loved the strategy, and I thought that it made sense. And uh, KJ Osborne came up huge. You know, I I just I thought Cousins was was excellent on that final drive, and uh, so I love the strategy, but. This is something that I've been cheering for the team now for like 15 years, I guess, since high school, um, since before I graduated high school. And so, like, I've been cheering for a little bit, and I've experienced, you know, a decent amount. There are folks out there who literally have 
been cheering for the Viking the Vikings for the entirety of the franchise's existence, right? Six nineteen sixty one. And um it just it just is so typical. It's so typical. This is such a standard experience where you have a team on the ropes. We are not favored to win. This is probably a better team than us right now. And we've got this chance to win. And it's sensible. And yeah, there were mistakes. But the strategy, I think, is sensible. The approach was good. You know, we had a lot of standout performances. And um, it's basically all wasted, right? Like, it doesn't mean much of anything in the end. So uh, definitely Vikings fans like myself should be feeling disappointed and probably pretty exasperated, just frustrated. Yeah. You know, like the, there was so many good things yesterday that happened. Yes. Um, and that Arizona team is a very good football team. Like yep. very, very good. Um, yep. There's so many things and ways that they could have beat the Vikings yesterday. Yep. Uh, so many different ways. And at the end of the day, the Vikings shot themselves in the foot. Um, exactly. And I like, it does seem with this, like with the kicker, particularly like I, Joseph had made those two great field goals, but he missed the extra point, which put them in that position. And then that That's field right. goal. And right. um, I don't like to put blame on specific individuals because it's a team game, but he makes that they win. He misses and they lose. I know, right? And like Zim, Zim talked about this in his post-game presser where he said, you know, one of the reasons why, and, and fans might feel the exact opposite. Fans might take this to be a reason to be discouraged. But Zim was saying one of the reasons why he's encouraged is that you know, we're basically two plays away from being 2-0, right? And so part of what makes this so discouraging for me and so frustrating for me is that, so we're, we go to Cincinnati and... You know, we're clearly the better team. And we're in this close game. And we end up losing the game. At least in part. Because of that late fumble. And and what happened afterwards. And so that's really disappointing. And then this week. We're on the road again. Probably against a bit of a better team. And again we're at the very end. And again Cousins leads us down the field. In a position to win. No fault of his own. Uh, at least not within the context of the very end of the game. And, uh, you know, the one play, right? And so you can say, yeah, we're, we're two plays from being 2-0, but fact is we're 0-2. And so that is a tough pill to swallow, I think, in what is going to be a difficult NFC. Even though the North right now isn't looking very good, uh, there are a handful of really good teams in the conference. Arizona being one of them, I would still put them in that tier two. I don't think they're like up there with the Bucks necessarily or Tampa Bay, but uh, Arizona's a nice squad, and I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up having a nice year. I expect them to have a nice year, and so it's disappointing certainly for the Vikings. And you know, the other day I, I wrote on Purple PTSD about the Purple Pattern and seeing how this year will go. Because most fans talk about so how in, in odd years, 2017, 2019, 2015, the Vikings do well, we make the playoffs. And even years, we happen to uh, struggle and not make the playoffs. But even if you shrink it down even further, the last four years, we've always started poorly. Zimmer's teams always start either poor or do mediocre. 
And in 2017 and 2019, two years where we made the playoffs, we began two and two. So after four games, we're just kind of average. Meh. And then in 2018, 2020, we were one, two and one, and then one and three. So two, two losing records. And we end up losing, or rather, we end up missing the playoffs. Um, and, and we look back at the end of those seasons and say, man, if we had gotten that game that we should have won at the beginning, that would have made a difference. Um, so the precedent seems to be that for us, if we begin kind of ho-hum average two and two, things can go quite well for us, all things considered. If we begin 0-3, oh 1-3, and 1-2-1, one and, one, and one, if we have a losing record after the game or after the season's opening month, we're going to have a tough go of it. And so that that is what the recent history suggests. And uh, I mean, we can go on to talk about that, but it's definitely disappointing. And I kind of, boys, week week three feels pretty big right about now. Yeah, like there are places I think in a season when you can have a loss like this, and it hurts, but you've got a winning record. Things have been going well. Like they haven't, they don't have a win yet. Um, but to have it twice in a row where you've got the opportunity to finish the game uh, yeah. and you make one mistake, um, whether it's a missed field goal or a fumble, and you do that two weeks in a row, um, yep, it's really hard to recover from that in a 16-game season, 17-game season now. Yeah, I guess, it's a, I guess with the 17 games, I guess it's a touch easier. You have a little bit more margin for error, but it's still going to be challenging. Yeah. Uh, and it, put, it puts us... You know, we're behind the sticks, right? And and you always want to be ahead of the sticks, obviously, both, you know, in a game when your offensive drives and also in the season as a whole. Uh, but the reality is right now we're, you know, it's not, we're not at third and 15, but we're, we're probably at first and 15. We probably get a false start penalty. And and now we're we're trying to battle back and, and, and get some progress here. So we'll yeah. see, I guess, how it goes. We had enough of those false starts last week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thankfully, that's not right. a whole lot this week. Um mm-hmm. Let, let's try to talk and take away some some positives from the performance, and we'll move to second down. Overall, how would you say you feel about Kirk Cousins and his performance yesterday? So I'd say that Zim Zim liked it uh, in his in his post game press conference. Zim was very um, complimentary of of Cousins, and I think rightfully. I mean, I, I he obviously wasn't quite as dynamic in the second half as the first, but that you could say that about the entire offense. Um, I thought really overall though, he was very, very good. Uh, just really crisp, really sharp, especially in the opening half touchdowns, to Thielen Jefferson into Osborne Osborne right now, I think is our leading receiver. And uh, so you give cousins credit, right? Like I did not expect him to have that clean of a game and not just, the throwing, but he actually had some really nice poise in the pocket at various points. You know, that Jefferson touchdown, you know, he's scrambling out and he makes the throw, gets hammered at the end. I mean, that's a fantastic play. That, that That's that's the play we expect Kyler Murray to make, or Aaron Rodgers, or Russell Wilson. You know, guys who are more mobile, right? Seemingly better under pressure, that kind of thing. And so, give him credit, and right? And he also, like, look at the stats... He was our second leading rusher. I mean, obviously, Dalvin Cook is our leading rusher. Um, but he had two carries for 35 yards. He had that big, long scramble. Um, so, obviously, it's, you know, obviously, Arizona was in man coverage. And, and the defensive backs and linebackers were trailing their guys. And so, you just have green grass. But 
early in his career, like Cousins would have been more hesitant to take those opportunities. And last year and then now this year as well, he's been a lot better in terms of his overall moving around in the pocket and then just being willing to take off and run. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He's not a, a great athlete within the context of the NFL, that is. Like if he was playing in Sam and I's Church League, he'd be easily be the best athlete out there. But within the context of the NFL, he's just kind of fine. But he's better than people think. And I, I just, I really can't find fault in Cousins' game yesterday. Uh, he was really good. He was accurate for the most part. Uh, explosive plays. I think maybe my main concern would have been third down efficiency or lack thereof. Now, some of that, again, that's not all going to be on Cousins, but I don't think that uh, the Vikings were very good on third down. Obviously, they were two and 10, or two for 10, rather. So 20% is not very good. And so that's partly going to be um, when I see that, I, I primarily look to the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. And I think they can share blame on that front. But overall, I think both of them did. Both being Cousins as well as Clint Kubiak did exceptionally well yesterday against the defense that probably should have had the upper hand. Uh, but cre- credit to those two, they didn't. No, it, it was a good defense. And that, we talked about that being one of the issues that's coming yep. in. Um, and I guess I think that part of what made Cousins' performance so good uh, I, I would say there's two things, and one of those is the, the play of the offensive line. That's right. Yeah, so I mean, so I'm looking at, uh, so Pro Football Focus, if you head over to their site, they do uh, like quick game recaps, and obviously as give it a day or two and they'll have more in-depth material, but they do kind of quick hitters right at the very end, and they kind of, they've, they break down each position group. And so for the Minnesota Vikings... This is their little paragraph they had to say about the offensive line. And this is a direct quote. I'm reading it from their site. It says, quote, The Vikings offensive line was one of Minnesota's highest performing units Sunday, keeping a clean pocket for Cousins while opening up massive running lanes for Cook. Minnesota allowed just three quarterback hits and one sack, while Vikings rushers as a whole accrued an impressive 127 yards before contact. That's before contact. That's not that's not all the rushing yards. That's just clean so, I mean, they were – the running lanes right now for or for Cook yesterday were just fantastic, right? And yeah. some of that, again, is is Cook's own vision, his decisiveness, his ability to kind of change direction very suddenly and, and, and just work through those seams and explode. And so some of that goes to Cook. He's a, he's a special guy. But, man, oh, man, that the O-line played well, right, against a really impressive defensive front. And so – and you got to give, it, and that's that's part of what makes this so difficult to swallow is that how often does our offensive line play poorly and we lose? Well, now we go on the road against a good team with a great defensive line, elite edge rushers, and the O line steps up, and the game plan was really solid, and we still lose. We we still we still find a way to lose in the end, and that's part of why this feels like such a waste. I mean, Daniel Hunter, I know this is different than the O line, but Daniel Hunter was sensational yesterday. He is so. So, the, again, this is coming from the PFF article. I mean, we all know he had the three sacks, and that's amazing. But he also had seven pressures, and he did that on 36 pass rushing snaps, right? So he was sensational. He, he was so good. And his his length and explosiveness, it's, I mean, it's not the perfect remedy for Kyler Murray because Murray still had a big game, still did a number of things well. But 
he did a lot to neutralize Murray in some big moments. And again, it just is frustrating in that it didn't lead to anything in, in the end. Uh, it would be so satisfying if it was a win. If we kick that field goal and we say, man, Daniil Hunter made the difference. Man, Nick Vigil with that pick six. What a difference. Man, the offensive line, didn't they step up, right? And we could say all these things. Kirk Cousins, fantastic game. Clint Kubiak called a great game. And all those things go right. And we still find a way to lose in the end. Such a disappointing outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to add Dantzler's name in there too, in terms of totally. great performance. Um, the other thing that I think made it easier for Cousins was the play of Dalvin Cook. I know you mentioned it, and part of that's attributed to the offensive line. Um, I know he had 22 carries for 131 yards, averaged six yards a carry without a major run. Like he had, he had one for 16 yards. But he, there was half a dozen plays yesterday where I was like, if he doesn't get tackled in the open field, like you know, he could have just been absolutely gone. And and so watching him, even just getting first downs, uh, yeah, when he was running, that was massive for the offense as well. Sometimes you look at a stat line at the end, and it's like, you know, twenty carries, one hundred and twenty yards, you know, decent average touchdown. But really, it was. 18 clunky runs or 19 clunky runs and he had one 80 yarder that was not dalvin cook yesterday like sam no. was saying right like he was 10 yards 12 yards 16 yards eight yards and again that's a credit to him and it's a credit to the offensive line and that was exactly the kind of plays we needed right like we need the what's what's the best way to neutralize kyler murray well keep him on the bench right like 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 if 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 our offense is on the field Kyler Murray can't hurt us, right? Like, and so uh, I know our time, the time of possession kind of skewed towards Arizona by the end. And that was, again, maybe one fault with the offense. They had some explosive plays, like that KJ Osborne play was explosive. Uh, you know, they could have had more long, methodical drives, but I really can't blame the offense here at all. Um, I mean, you can find fault. You're, you're nitpicking at this point. You can find fault with any unit, with any player, every single game. But the offense, without question, played well enough to win that game to the point where we, sh- we should have won that game. So. Yeah. it it's I don't know if it gets easier to talk about or harder to talk about when you think <laughs> yeah. about all these things that, that went well. Like, I know that you giving up um, 34 points is not ideal yeah. in any week. But, like, I really think that looking back, you would have been fine with – that win and been like, you know what? That's a good team. They made some good plays. They like they had some exactly. big plays. Um, if we win that game, thirty six, thirty four, we we drill that field goal. We say, you know what? There's some busted coverages, but man, oh man, we're conti- like. And this was like, Zimmer's exact word. He said, you know, it's a catch twenty two, right? When, when he was talking about a specific play, you they continually have us in a catch twenty two. And what do you do? I mean, Chase Edmonds is a dynamic back. Kyler Murray's a dynamic quarterback. You've got all this talent at wide receiver. AJ Green is their wide receiver four, right? Like, and I know AJ Green's older now and he's not what he used to be, but he's he's their fourth option, right? And then their tight end makes some plays as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you drop your guys in zone coverage, right? So you can keep your eyes on the quarterback? Do you blitz to try and rush Murray? Do you keep a you know a, a spy? Do you let Eric Hendricks spy Murray to try and limit him from scrambling? Well, what do you do, right? And so you're just, they continually have you in this catch-22 situation. And I get it. They didn't play great. 
right? The defense made a lot of mistakes, but man, Arizona puts you in a tough spot, right? And and again, the defense played quite well at the end, and we played at the end. We played good enough to win, right? Yep. Daniel Hunter stepped up. Nick Vigil stepped up, made some plays. Eric Hendricks made some nice plays. Dantzler came in at the ends and played pretty most of the fourth quarter, and he made some nice plays. AJ Green in the end zone, he had a good good pass breakup, and so. And again, I you know just what Sam was saying. Does this make it better or worse to keep talking about it like this? But I, I, and frankly, I don't know. Um, yeah, dis- disappointing. It is it is disappointing. Um, so let's look ahead. So yeah. I know you mentioned earlier Seattle this week uh, at home now for week three, which is encouraging. It is. What would you say our chances are of getting to one and two? relatively low all things considered seattle just has our number um you know seattle's the team that we want to be right like they're that uh year in year out they're competitive year in year out they make the playoffs been a couple super bowls they've won one Pete carroll's a defensive coach they want to run the ball and then have a dynamic clutch qb especially when it matters which you know obviously that's kind of what clutch suggests uh, that you you step up in the big moments, but in any case, Seattle is kind of the team that Minnesota has wanted to be, right? And when we play them, we seemingly find spectacular ways to lose. And you can go back to last season. You know, we possessed the ball. We're talking about time of possession. We had the ball for like forty minutes that game, or something like that. And you just look at the errors that we made down the stretch from Alexander Madison missing that massive hole to Cameron Dantzler just getting totally lost in coverage on DK Metcalf towards the end. Uh, Seattle just seems to find a way to break our Purple Hearts, which is disappointing, obviously. Uh, You know, what's a must-win? This feels like a must-win insofar as if we go down to 0-3, it's not over, but, boys, you're getting close. You're you're, you're getting close, right? And... uh, so it's it's tough, right? And the thing is, too, I didn't Seattle lose yesterday to Tennessee in the they end. Did so they're in overtime. One, yeah, they're one and one. Yeah, and so they don't want to drop to one and two because one and two is not a very good spot to be, and especially in their divi- their division is really tough, right? And so it's not like, gosh, it's not like they're going to come in and uh, be sleeping on this this game or anything like that. They're going to be highly motivated, obviously, and uh, we ought to be as well, but. This will be difficult. This will, this will be really difficult and extremely, extremely important. I think in some ways, I don't know if I want to say this now, but in a sense, but like when I look at the roster, they seem to present less of a challenge than Arizona. Mm-hmm. Insofar as I don't think they have a Chandler Jones, right? Um, nor do I think necessarily that their pass catchers are quite as deep. I think Tyler Lockett is really good. I think DK Metcalf is really good. But I think you had, you know, with Arizona, you could say DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and AJ Green are that's a that's a very, handful. Very good, right? Very, very good. Collectively, those four, man, oh man, you're you're in tough there, right? Uh Kyler Murray, the way that he can scramble. Oof, you're you're in tough. And I, you know, and again, you say the same thing to a certain extent with Russell Wilson. Man, the way he can scramble, the way he can play, that's a tough challenge, right? And the same thing with those receivers that they have in Seattle. 
I don't know if their defense in Seattle is going to be as good. And so I won't. But, I, you know, each each week is its own thing. And so we'll see. We'll see. They're going to they're gonna present similar challenges. And uh, we'll see if the Vikings can uh, create a game plan offensively that can kind of crack the code. And if that defense can kind of iron out uh, some of those issues. I know I said, I wrote at one point, I can't remember where, at one point during the offseason saying, don't be surprised if the secondary struggles early because you have... Xavier Woods is new. Patrick Peterson is new. Uh, Bashad Breeland is new. Mackenzie Alexander, in a sense, is new. I mean, he was a free agent addition. He's coming back after a year away. But four of your five starters are free agent additions, right? And Zim asks a lot of his defensive backs, right? This isn't like the Seattle cover three where they run cover three almost always. Like Zim, you know, he's doing pattern match. He's doing all kinds of different coverage shells. He's doing all kinds of different things, and it's co- it can be complicated, right? And so I expect the secondary to be better in week eight than they are in week two because they just have more sta- snaps together and, and more time to communicate and figure things out. Uh, but, man, they got to figure this out in a hurry because Metcalf is a real, real problem. And, and maybe you say, okay, we're going to put Metcalf as big and strong and physical, well, Peterson's big and strong and physical, and so we're we're going to meet your physical long guy with a physical long guy, and, and we're going to see what we can do. Uh, but then, what do you do with Tyler Lockett? I mean, he's going to Tyler Lockett's good. He's really, really good. And he's really quick, and I don't know if we have anybody who matches up well with him. Uh, Mackenzie Alexander, perhaps, might be the closest thing. But th- this is going to be interesting. It's it's going to be an interesting game, and man, if we lose it, we're going to be in a tough, tough spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can easily turn to these conversations where it's can lose if this and lose if that, or, and thinking about the challenges. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah. I, I do think that there's a lot of, it, it feels so empty to say in some ways, but there were so many good things to build off of from yesterday. Um, it's true. Like it, it feels like there was a lot, as long as they continue to take another step. And like you said, I think the secondary is an area where you are looking for that next step. Um, there is still some problems. I Breland seems hurt. Um, like there's no question yeah. about it. It seems like he's he yeah. had to walk off gingerly a couple times yesterday. Um, so I think that that's probably the area you're looking for in the most in that next step on this team. Um, Do you can I can I put this to you then on the spot? Yeah. Does does Dantzler start week three? I think that I, I would say yes. Okay, I would say yes. Yeah. I like. Yeah, I know that there's a lot of talk assuming with... Breland's 100 healthy. Is it still oh. dancing? Breland has not like I. Anyways, I don't want to criticize guys, but yeah, but especially I know that there's a lot of narrative around just these first round picks and um, thinking about the history of these early round cornerbacks that the Vikings have taken, and it it feels like Dancer needs to be given an opportunity. I know last year. He was really elevated into a role that he probably shouldn't have been. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that you give him the shot. I like I, I, yes, I would say yes. All right. I'm saying yes, too. I know, Zim, again, this is one that Zim talked about where he said this past week, Dancel had a really nice week of practice. And he, and he specifically said, you know, he went in there and, and made a couple nice plays. And so there's another really good week of practice because we've seen Breland twice now played really poorly all things considered 
And uh, so I, I, I'm looking for Dantzler to start in week three. Mm -hmm. Is he a guy that could match up against Lockett? No. I, I mean, I, like, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think I think Lockett will eat his lunch if, if yeah. he does. Uh, Dan, Dantzler's, you know, he's long, right? Like, his, his length is good. Uh, his speed is not. Right, and that now is really the, that's why he dropped down to the third. Um, his tape was impressive in college, but then his forty time was pretty underwhelming. And so I think uh, with Dantzler, you know, you want him on the outside, right? Not not in the slot, and then you want him to be able to use his length and be a little bit physical and that kind of thing and have good technique. I think Lockett will just roast him, right? And I I think Lockett's going to roast most of these guys. Now, and again, you know, Sam's right. You could say it's about all these what ifs. You know, I'm sure there's a Seattle podcast somewhere saying, man, oh man, how are we going to match up on Thielen, Jefferson, and Osborne? Right. Mm -hmm. Do we, do we have the guys who can, you know, how can we contain these three? Right. So it's not like there's, we're the only defense who's dealing with dynamic receivers, right? Like we, we can present this exact same issue for Seattle secondary, right? In a sense. Um, but yeah, I, I would think that. You know Peterson Breeland on the or sorry Peterson Breeland Peterson Dantzler on the outside and then uh, Alexander in the slot and uh, we'll see what we can do we'll see what we can do yeah it is funny how that fan mentality like yesterday I was watching I was like man like Arizona they've got all these weapons like these yeah. guys are good and then I was like wait but like the Vikings have that too like that's exactly like as, right as good as yeah. Edmonds is uh, like Cook is better like it's just there's no For question sure about is. it. For sure. Um, yep. Even the receivers, like DeAndre Hopkins, is fantastic. Like mm -hmm. he's he's the top of both of those wide receiver groups. But after yep. that, you've got Thielen and Jefferson, and like yeah. Osborne has been very good. Like he's very good. very good he's and he's really good. Some yeah. clutch plays, especially on that the last yeah. drive there, um, and yeah. and even that first drive for him to make that. Like that big play for, yeah, for him to have that touchdown in the second play of the the game for the offense, like I, there's just a lot of really good things about this team and a lot of really good weapons. And I know wide receiver yeah. three was a position that we were really wondering who's going to take this. And like at this point, he's run away with the job um, easily. Like it's, it's 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 not even close. He's, he's been fantastic. He signed the contract, the wide receiver three contract, and he's in. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's in pen. Um, exactly. Good. I don't know if you have anything else to to add. No, that's that's it. Uh, can we get a game prediction from you? Uh, a week a week away following this heartbreaking loss, Seattle, so, Seattle, Minnesota. Before I say that, I was thinking a question earlier. Like, would you rather the Vikings go like Buffalo Bills, like thirty-five nothing against Seattle, or would you want to see them? Actually, show that they can win a, a tight game, thirty-five nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no. You're just like for like my blood pressure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm a relatively young, relatively healthy man, but man, oh man, holy crap, stress. No, forget that crap. No, I want thirty-five nothing. I don't want. I mean, there's going to be a time to grind out wins. That's going to happen without question. But no, thirty-five nothing. Yes. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's your prediction. That's what Kyle Kyle yeah, Dowdy. Yeah, yeah lock, lock it in. Lock it in. Yeah. No, I Yeah. I am gonna say the I'm gonna say the Vikings win it. Yeah. I don't is know there, why. Is there, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at some point you've been hurt enough that you just can't there's, there's Yeah, you say what, yeah, that's that's friggin' that nah, let's go for it. Screw this. I'm saying they win. I, I'm 
I don't like. I feel like the the predictions so far have been great. Zero and two. So I'm like, do I? I I'm not. I don't believe in jinxes. So I say that they win. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's lower score. Twenty three sixteen. Thirty one twenty four. Thirty one twenty four. Perfect. Right, there it is. We got it. Good. Well, we can transition and. Yep. Talk about the odds and ends and a little bit of a wild update. I know they were having their prospect camp and right. Um, got to see Boldy and Rossi together. And from what it sounds like from from camp and from Michael Russo over at the Athletics, sound like they did quite well. Um, mm-hmm. Sounds like they're still working on the uh, contract with Kaprizov. And I know one of the issues that's come up is the vaccination status. And I know. Russo was uh, reporting that Garen said that outside of uh, Kaprasov, that the team expects to be 100% vaccinated, which is great because yeah. um, I know in the NFL, they've really cracked down on what the punishment is for mm-hmm. teams that, that have unvaccinated players that um, end up causing games to be missed or whatever the situation is. I know in the NHL, it's basically like they're they're limited in terms of what they can do for takeout food. Like in yeah. terms of like meeting yeah. people, like it is, they've really made it strict. Uh, it's it sounds like, um, yeah, part of the issue is making sure that the player gets a who recognized vaccine, and some of the the Russian right. sounds like the Sputnik um, five one is there's some questions around it. But regardless, camp opens Wednesday uh, mm. for Minnesota Wild. The hockey really? starting soon. Wow. That is, um, I did not think it was coming that soon. No, I was, I was shocked. Like, I like it sounds like, yeah, um, people were reporting, and it sounds like there's a couple forward spots available. It obviously it changes with Kaprizov, but now they're talking about Boldy and Rossi and and Beckman. Yeah. And these are guys that can step in and potentially take one of these spots, uh, which is which is exciting. It is they're at a stage where they do need to take advantage of these entry level contracts. It is going to be interesting if some of these guys, um, the, the way the entry-level contracts will work and for them to be up in three seasons mm-hmm. uh, when they're still dealing with in season four, the yeah, buyouts. Right. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, you sure. can look at it different ways. You can say they don't have the money and they're going to have to do something or move someone, or you can say you know, there's less money for these guys to take and you bridge them for a couple of years and right. maybe that's when you really try to be competitive is is – year five and i you know what it's so far in the the future i think just enjoy these guys uh sounds like boldy and rossi were playing together and lighting it up and having a lot of fun so um but do you not when you look at this sam do you not say to yourself why did you buy out suitor it it still shocks me like it just it doesn't make sense to to buy out both of them and the way it was buyouts that i just don't get is like if you wait another year you're basically buying yourself two years. You buy back two years. Like, exactly. like to wait a year, especially, I know you had to sign um, Kaprizov this year, but yeah. like you, if you just buy out one of them, then you have right. an extra, like I I'm, you know you have to pay six, like an, it, I guess the math works out to about $6 million, um, a difference, but it's just, it, the buyout's still, I know, you can look at it from a hockey sense. You can look at it from a room sense. And I know we don't have the privilege of knowing what's going on in the room. And yeah, that's um, right. even just the way the buyouts went and the reports around how Sutter was ignoring Garen's call and all this, like, it just, it, 
Yep, I'm, it's messy. There's, 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 it's messy. There's issues. Um, yep. But it is hard to talk about this team without thinking about the impact that these buyouts have. Um, yeah. These were massive deals that were signed a very long time ago. Um, right. Like a very long time ago. And uh, this is this is what happens when you give up big money um, mm -hmm. sometimes. Mm -hmm. And and long term. I think that's probably the, the bigger issue is the long term. Exactly. Um, I know you, you want to draw people in, but to sign exactly. someone for, I believe it was 12 years. Like it's just. Yeah. It, I'm, a Detroit, um, I'm a Detroit fan. And Detroit was in on both of them back in the day. And I remember you being disappointed that we lost them, right? Because, you know, we were trying to gear up for another cup run at that time. That was when we were good. And, uh, man, I'm pretty thankful we didn't get them now, right? No, no. It's it's amazing to think about, like, 12 years. Like, that that means that someone who is in grade one when they signed is, like, doing their high school graduation when they're done. Like That's insane. Yeah, right. It's just, like, such yeah. a long period of time. Um, through, like, all your schooling. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and right. to be fair, like the contracts actually did okay in some senses. Like there are still players that can play in the NHL. Um, it's not Rick DiPietro who's who signed and hasn't played for signed a fifteen year deal and didn't play for um, yeah the majority of it. Um, yeah. But it's just it just doesn't make sense. No, um, it no, it's disappointing. But but regardless, I think that this will be a fun year, and hopefully these rookies can can step in step up yeah and make this yep. just an, an even more fun team to watch this year and totally um, at, at some point we'll have to do uh a prediction of where they'll fall in this division because it is a very yeah. good division and yeah, sure. outside of colorado it feels like there's five or six teams potentially vying for those remaining playoff spots mm -hmm. um, but from now we'll wrap it up there and yeah we'll keep paying attention to the season starting here um sure, so sure. we'll send send off there i want to thank everyone for listening and kyle where can listeners find more of your work yeah head over to vikingsgazette.com it's a site that i own and then head over to purpleptsd.com on the managing editor over there and so we've got you know all kinds of stuff coming out and uh yeah on on facebook and twitter at vikings gazette if you like social media for some reason you can uh find uh Find some stuff on there. But otherwise, have, have a great day. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. We'll talk with you next week after uh, after Seattle. <laughs> after a win in Seattle, or in, in Minnesota against Seattle. Exactly.